your brother's hungry? Don't you know your sister's lonely? Don't you know there's babies crying? Don't you know your brother's dying? Greetings. I'm Dr. Anthony Smith of Alashe Center for Enrichment, and welcome to Black Folks Do Therapy, where we endeavor to challenge you to think critically about your mental health and overall wellness. Our goal is to inspire you to align your actions and values so that you might live your life fully 86,400 seconds every single day. We do this in part by asking questions and raising issues that you may not have previously considered. Ultimately, we encourage you to do those things that help you to live your best life consistently, always working towards balance. Greetings and welcome to our next episode of Black Folks Do Therapy. Thank you for joining us again, for always be being willing to come and have these wonderful conversations about mental health in the Black community and what we can do to always raise our vibration and make sure that we are walking in a space of healing and happiness. Um, remember to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get updates when the new one is there and uh, give us feedback on anything that you hear or topics you want us to cover or questions you might have. Um, always feel free to reach out and let us know what you're thinking. So this evening, we are going to be joined by Dr. Christy Hayes, who is a psychologist out in Sacramento, California. Um, we're going to get into some of the work that she's doing currently with um, some of the emotional emancipation circles. And the, am I saying that right? I might not be saying that right. You'll, you'll correct me. Uh, but some of the healing circles that allow us to look at uh, some of the issues that are going on in our communities and find ways to collectively heal ourselves so that we can move forward in a positive and healthy way. So um, we're going to get into that and much more. So anyway, well, welcome, Dr. Hagens. How are you doing today? Thank you. It's an honor to be here and have this opportunity to talk with you, Dr. Anthony Smith, and uh, the listeners about this important work that we all need um, to benefit from and heal ourselves, especially right now. So thank you. So to start off, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you have come to be a psychologist and um, how this became a passion of yours? What, what, what made you get into psychology? Mm, that's a good, thank you. That's a good question. Um, as I think back, gosh, on my journey, it's been a long and winded one um, in some ways. I originally, you know, as a young person, thought I would be a physician. I thought that I would move into being a pediatrician and Yet when I got to school, to USC, and began to really understand what it might take and the, the coursework and the expectations for becoming a medical doctor was clear, eh, that wasn't so much the path that I was ready to pursue. But I knew I always wanted to help people, right? That was always part of my, um, I don't know, my, my upbringing, my, my uh, way in which I grew up to, to serve and to give, to help and to support. And so um, at some point during my studies in undergrad, I stumbled across intro to psychology and thought, 
oh, what, what is this all about? What is this? Because I hadn't been exposed to as many um, Black folks, perhaps, right, to therapy, to counseling, to clinical work. And so became really interested in understanding um, psychology and why we do what we do and think and believe and behave in certain ways. And for myself, um, during kind of that, that period of, of youth, adolescence, young adult, in reflection really was struggling with my own kind of sense of identity as a young black woman, struggled at some level as well with feelings of depression and anxiety. Um, and so as I then discovered psychology and had my own kind of challenges with mental health, realized, well, wait a minute, we need people like me who look like me, who may have an understanding of this experience to be able to support other folks um, who as well might be you know, going through a, a struggle or, or a challenge in some way. And so that just kind of sparked my interest in, um, in psychology and, and thus my route to uh, graduate school and just being really blessed. Um, again, as I think back with, with opportunities to have uh, programs that I was a part of or, or mentors that um, really helped and support me. Um, so I was able to go to graduate school at Ohio State or the Ohio State University. Mm. Um, Right. Hey, Buckeyes forever. Anyway, and so um, when I got to Ohio State, had the, the honor really of, of, of working, studying with um, and being mentored by Dr. Linda James Myers, um, who is, you know, one of a, a strong advocate within our, our African uh, psychology and, and the history. And, and so that was really where I got connected to, to this work. Um, yeah. So prior to that, did you know any black psychologists even even um, as you started to embark? It's interesting. I started out in pre-med as well um, mm -hmm. and switched to psychology. So uh, there's mm -hmm. some similarities there. But did you know any black psychologists or, or any psychologists at all? No, none. Nada, right? It was not even on my radar to, to have contact with, to see um, physically, right, other clinicians, therapists, psychologists who may have been Black, Black-identified, but I didn't even know, in essence, really, right, that, that we existed or like the Association of Black Psychologists existed, that there were people, right, that were committed to uh, doing real focused work um, on, on our community and on our people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, I didn't have that awareness. And um, even as I chose Ohio State, Again, when I think back on it, I think maybe I had some awareness that Linda was there, that Dr. Myers was there, but it wasn't really till I got there um, and had an opportunity to meet her and get exposed to some of her work. It connected with some of the other black graduate students that it became for me, um, something that I was very aware of that was important for me mm -hmm. in terms of having a connection with a, a a psychologist who, who was black, who was focused in African-centered psychology and could be a guide for me. Mm -hmm. So for mm -hmm. our listeners that, that may or may not know, Dr. Mm -hmm. James Myers is, is one of the preeminent um, black psychologists in the country. She has written a number of books, uh, Optimal Psychology and uh, right. a couple of other wonderful books that she's written. So, mm -hmm. um, for you to have the opportunity to be mentored and work alongside of her, um, would it, it, it would be akin to maybe working, uh, a person that's a musician working with uh, 
Luther Vandross or, or Michael Jackson, mm -hmm. right? And it would be mm -hmm. along those lines. And so yeah. um, that was a wonderful experience for you, I would imagine. Yes, um, yes, sure. I learned quite a bit from her that wasn't book knowledge, but just everyday life, right? Absolutely. And one of the things I remember when I first met her, was exposed to her, did my dissertation with optimal psychology, oh, okay. all of that. I remember having this, yeah, this experience of feeling like, dang, I want to be like her when I grew up, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be um, someone who lives what I say, what, you know, her theory, um, to be a kind of a living example of this work. And so um, that is who she is, that is what I strive to be. And um, it's really an honor now, again, to, um, to feel like she's a colleague, mm -hmm. she's a friend. Um, yes, she's Mama Linda. There, mm -hmm. There's always this level of respect and honoring of who she is, but there's mm -hmm. this leveling of um, our relationship and our ability to connect with each other. And I really, really value that. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And um, I see and recognize, you know, we're, we're connected both through ABSI and you've been part of the organization a long time too. Um, and as I continue on my journey of maturation and growth and development, it's interesting to be what I will say in this middle generation, the sandwich generation. We use that often when we think clinically, but professionally, right? We're, we're, we're not the, the babies. We're not the, the new folks that are coming in. We're not the new professionals, but not quite the elders either. Um, and so it's interesting to be in this middle ground of uh, being connected um, to some of the, the traditional ancient folk, ancient, um, not an age, but some of the ancient understanding, right? The, the founders, the um, folks who really started the, the exploration of this work um, and to be able to you know, stay connected and then, yeah, stay connected and then to see how it connects to, to my purpose and how we continue this for our uh, future generations, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I think it would be good if you could uh, maybe talk a little bit about optimal psychology. Um, I hadn't thought about that, but I think that would be uh, a sure. wonderful topic for people to understand uh, what that's mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'll try to do a little bit of a Cliff Notes version because sure. there's a lot to yeah. the, the story and to the theory, but the, the basics of it, are um, kind of based on the understanding that we are a spiritual people, that we are in fact spiritual beings that are manifesting in these physical bodies and these physical forms. And so part of what optimal psychology really talks about is accessing, and mm -hmm. much of African-centered psychology, but making sure that we are accessing and staying connected to um, that, that spiritual foundation of, of who we are as a people. Mm -hmm. And um, in that understanding of, of that, um, that there's lots of, of value and um, tradition and wisdom that is connected to that idea of us as being a spiritual beings, again, that are manifesting in the physical bodies. And um, what optimal psychology really talks about the importance of um, us staying connected to that truth of that part that um, we are socialized and develop uh, an, a worldview that is often described as suboptimal, 
as a ver as opposed to optimal where mm -hmm. with the optimal we're connected to that spiritual connection our wholeness our communication our relationships with each other but we're socialized in a world in a society that is very suboptimal that um, really disconnects us from that that spiritual base um, that really places much more value on the physical material aspects of our experience so how you look, how much money you make, your education, where you live, um, you know, whether you're male, female, there's all these factors, markers, um, things that we tend to place value on in terms of this other worldview that are really at its core not helpful um, for our growth and development. And so optimal uh, theory really talks about and asks people to examine where they're living in the world, kind of their, their view, their consciousness, um, whether they are more focused on the lack and um, dichotomy and difference and external characteristics versus the more African-centered spiritual aspects, right? That values our relationships with each other, that, that sees time in a different way that is not necessarily real structured, that um, values our understanding of us as um, when we say a person or um, that's not really the term I want to use, but, but this understanding that who we are as a people from a more African-centered optimal view is not individualistic, right? It's this collective understanding. Some of what I was kind of referring to before, mm -hmm. this understanding that it's about me, it's about my ancestors, right? Those that came before me, it's about nature, it's about the unborn, the future generations. And so, um, so optimal theory, again, really tries to encourage us to understand our, our view of the world and how to unpack those parts of us that um, can get caught up um, in this more suboptimal worldview that, that really doesn't serve us. So how is that, how does that apply? When you think about um, our people coming in for therapy and going to see a mainstream psychologist versus someone who is versed in an understanding of optimal psychology and spirit and the impact that the role that spirit plays in our community and our culture what is going to be the difference for the person coming in um go, seeing those two things can you compare and contrast to talk a little bit about why right. why that might be important yeah and how and it might look really different when we think about our traditional quote-unquote mainstream training in psychology we tend to learn very explicitly right that we are going to separate spirituality and religion and that's not necessarily part of the treatment and so um there are ways in which although that that's shifting and changing we're becoming more aware in our development of multicultural and diversity issues and equity that we really are multi um dimensional people and beings with lots of different aspects of our identity including spirituality and religion however a traditional, typical a therapist may not necessarily be attuned to that. And so their approach may be much more focused on you know, the individual, on, on circumstances that might be impacting them directly, um, not really open to other avenues of understanding of things outside of the, our awareness of the five senses, um, 
may not value the person's connection with their faith or religion or faith leader or pastor, for example, um, may devalue any experiences that the person might share. Again, that might be outside of the a traditional range of, of understanding. So if someone talks about um, having experiences that might be more um, metaphysical, uh, spiritual, that kind of thing. However, someone who might be more steeped in African-centered psychology would be interested in exploring these things with that person, open to having conversations about what it might mean for them, um, and, and allowing the the opportunity to do healing at a, a deeper level beyond the, um, the more surface things that so, someone might see. So someone coming in and saying, I had a dream that my grandmother who passed away was speaking to me uh -huh. and giving me a message. That would be strange. In Correct. This yeah, absolutely, right? So again, a more traditional therapist like my thinking out, wait, what's going on, <laughs> right? Is, is there some kind of disorder that's happening here? Is there some psychosis or what is this about? Mm -hmm. Versus someone that might have, again, a, a broader understanding is like, oh, okay, yeah. There, there are, again, this, this awareness that there's this invisible energy, awareness that, that's present. And so there would be an opportunity to really explore what, what is that and where's that coming from and what do you think about that and what was your connection with your grandmother and what does that bring up for you and has this ever happened before, right? That there's a real opportunity again to explore it in a way that may not shame or discount a person's experience. Um, so, yeah. And in the work that you've done, have you seen that manifest that people have been able to appreciate your approach and what you bring in terms of your understanding and ability to accept where they are? Yeah, absolutely. I was sharing you a little bit before we started recording that I'm not doing clinical work um, at this point in time. I'm doing more uh, healing circles that are specifically designed for Black people. Um, but as I reflect on both that work um, and my experience in working individually and in groups with with patients and with, with clients of, of African ancestry that that was really valued. Um, I, but, but what's interesting, just as a quick little example, is I do remember working, um, I was on a university campus, gosh, it must have been at least 20 years ago or more, but um, I remember supervising, it was a black male therapist who was working with a black female student who was going through kind of a religious experience um, where she was, again, kind of hearing some of the, um, the uh, voices and having dreams around her, her uh, a relative who had made a recent transition. Mm. So anyway, we had to do a lot of just kind of exploration about what is this and what's going on. And, you know, as we processed and talked about it and consulted with some of the other staff who were not folks of color or African ancestry or did not have kind of more religious or spiritual uh, connection. Again, they went straight to, oh, this is psychosis, right? She's hallucinating. And, you know, and the family was like, yeah, no, let's bring her home. We're going to pray with her. We're going to, you know, do some other methods to kind of see what might be really going on. And so, again, it's this, this to me, it feels like a both-and approach, right? We don't want to 
totally ignore and deny um, symptoms that might be uh, connected to or affiliated with um, a serious mental disorder or issue, we also have to be really aware of um, these other dynamics too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit. You, you brought up the uh, healing circles. Mm -hmm. I'm really intrigued to hear more about the genesis of those and um, sure. what they mean um, for people now, especially yeah. during the time of um, racial trauma that we're experiencing as a country. I imagine that there's been a lot of need to yeah. do work uh, of this nature around that. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about about these circles that you're doing. Absolutely, absolutely. So. I have a lot to say, so feel free at, at any point to cut me off or redirect. Um, but I do want to make sure that I give the context for the healing circles, the work that I do, and, and, and give uh, credit and um, just acknowledge the, the source of, of some of the work that I'm doing. And so um, for many, many, many years, I was talking about going to USC undergrad and the Ohio State University, yes, go Buckeyes, uh, for graduate school. And <laughs> that was quite some time ago. Um, but I say that just in the context of I've, I've always had a connection and a love for Black people. And so I've been committed to doing this work for, for a long time. And in fact, even when I was at um, the, the university uh, where I was working previously at UC Davis for, gosh, almost 20 years as a training director, I used to do a circle. Um, at first, it was brothers and sisters uh, with one of my fellow uh, Black colleagues and then it just became sister sister so focus work just on black women uh, often with trainees or interns that would come through our program um, but it was when i learned about and was exposed to the emotional emancipation circles where i was like oh my gosh this is what i've been doing but in a more um, formalized way mm -hmm. so the emotional emancipation circles are are uh, healing circles that were developed by the Community Healing Network um, in collaboration and consultation with the Association of Black Psychologists. They have been in existence now for, gosh, over 10 years um, and were piloted and tested um, in Ferguson, actually, and in Tuskegee. And um, after Michael Brown, I think if I want to, if I'm saying this correctly, and it was before I actually was um, inter integrated in some of this work. But I believe um, within days or the weekend after Michael Brown's killing, um, some of the developers of the, the EECs, as we refer to them, were on the ground in Ferguson actually piloting some of the circles. So the EECs um, are, have a curriculum that are connected to them. Um, they're usually seven or eight sessions, and the idea really is to help Black folks be free, um, bottom line, to be free, to understand some of the challenges of our experience around um, the lies of white supremacy and Black inferiority and how they show up in our lives, and then with particular um, sessions that are devoted to understanding our history and our experience and building a sense of community and hope. Okay. And so I got exposed to those a number of years ago um, and was able to be a part of a program where I was working at the time after I left uh, campus with a nonprofit and we were implementing them across the state of, of California. 
Um, right now, those circles are being, the EECs are being offered um, virtually. Uh, we're now um, part of the, the team that is helping to continue to develop them and, and train others on how to become facilitators for them. But the pandemic has created a challenge, of course, with us being able to, to train and get people available and ready to do those. Mm -hmm. So that sounds great. So let's say I'm a person that could benefit from this. What could I expect to happen over the course of those sessions? Can you describe what that looks sure. like, um, the evolution of the different sessions, and um, what type of person would benefit from um, yeah. the session? Yeah, I'd like to do that. And then if you're open to it as well, um, is talk a little bit too about some of the other healing circles because yeah. there's multiple options. So sure. some of the work that I'm doing specifically grew out of EECs. But um, so the emotional emancipation circles, like I mentioned, they are um, about seven or eight uh, sessions scheduled that have a particular focus for each week. Mm -hmm. um, and now, as we're talking, just to see if I could access my guide to the circles so that I could actually speak and give you a couple of the uh, content information. But they are uh, specifically geared for, which I will do in a moment, but they are specifically geared towards people, again, who identify as Black and of African ancestry. Uh, the circles typically, again, historically have met in person. Um, but now with the pandemic have been shifted towards uh, working virtually and online. Right. Um, facilitators do participate in a two or three day kind of training experience so that they get some understanding of the issues, the topics, facilitation kind of um, processes and that kind of thing. And then um, participants come and participate ideally over the course of those seven or eight weeks mm -hmm. in what might be a two hour type of session. Mm -hmm. um, each session has different kind of components to it. So they are really designed to have a cultural aspects um, to have a uh, not only a um, information that might, might be provided but also an opportunity to learn some skills to cope and respond. So um, there are keys that are offered. Some of the, the topics right for each session might be African spiritual origin, for example, is key one, and that's the first session. Then it moves to understanding the history of Africa before our enslavement. And then we began um, the next session to talk about what are some of our cultural origins. So each session, again, might have a particular topic. There's some discussion. There's African proverbs. There's connection, um, again, to build our, our resilience and our understanding of, of who we are. So the EECs are, like I said, they've been in existence for over 10 years. Um, they're actually a, a national, international um, kind of uh, opportunity. And if people are interested in learning more about the emotional emancipation circles, they can access, or I would encourage them um, to go to the Community Healing Network, mm -hmm. CHN as we refer to it, um, where they can at least get a little bit more information. I believe that people can 
uh, submit contact information as well if they would like to know a little bit more about um, circles that might be offered now in addition to getting trained. I do want to make sure I slide this in here real quick that um, because of, of COVID and um, the pandemic, that part of what CHN along with the Association of Black Psychologists, ABCI, um, did and, and helped to create, and I was part of that team, is what is referred to as Ubuntu circles. And Ubuntu meaning I am because we are. Um, but uh, circles where you don't have to get training, that you can have access to some general information and resources, a brief kind of orientation session actually that I led um, online that you can look at um, you know, a recording of that. So that people who wanna just have uh, some initial conversations, maybe with family members, loved ones, um, friends, about issues around um, being black and how to take care of ourselves is another resource and uh, the community healing network is a place to access that and i'm going to take a breath in a moment you might have a question for me but i also want to make sure in a moment i I'll tell you a little bit more about safe black space which is an outgrowth of, of this work and um, specifically some of the things that i'm doing here right now in sacramento okay so we're going to come back to those because I do have a couple of questions. Um, so which of the, like you gave topics for each of the groups or each of the yes. sessions, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And the sessions are limited to eight? Yes. Yeah, so there's like a cycle, right? So there will be an introductory circle and then usually seven keys is what we refer to them, right? That has a specific topic. Um, so the a cycle of a circle is, is usually about eight sessions. Um, however, what we have found, what's interesting, is that people are like, well, wait a minute, I don't want to stop. Right. <laughs> so, that's where I'm getting to. So yeah. what happens if people want to continue? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, or, or, yeah. or if they aren't finished with the healing work? Um, right. And how many people are in the session as well? In a right, group? Right, right. Okay. So I'm gonna answer from multiple different perspectives, right? Because we're talking pre-COVID and post-COVID because there's some different responses to that. Uh, what I would say, um, so I, I've had an opportunity to lead three cycles of an emotion emancipation circle. And um, we called them it basically, and I did them specifically with black women. So we called them EEC, Sister Circle 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. And uh, part of what we found was after the first circle, the women, it ended up being about 10 to 12 of us that were part of the circle. Um, and so the women and including myself, facilitators are part of the circle, right? Because we're all dealing with this, this trauma and, and the um, stress of being black. But uh, people didn't want to stop. They were like, well, wait a minute, we're not done, or there's more work, or we're really connected to each other. So then we did Circle 2.0, and so we covered the same topic areas, but we may have introduced a different activity and just went to a deeper level. By the time we finished that second process, um, folks were like, okay, I'm good. Um, and so some folks moved out of the circle, other people moved in. Well, we had an opportunity, thankfully, um, actually to do some training of facilitators here locally in Sacramento. So there were some of those folks who'd been part of the first round of the circle and the second round of the circle that then went to lead their own circle themselves. Right? Mm, okay. So I, I think um, as a 
uh, I don't know, process um, as the EECs continue. Um, there is some discussion and exploration about how to keep people involved as they may want to, because it does, um, in terms of being an official EEC facilitator, like I mentioned before, folks do need to go through this two, three day training process and have an understanding of what it is that we're doing, access to the materials and the, all of the things that are affiliated with it. Um, so this happens on a yeah. weekly basis? So again, so there's, there's ways in which um, the EECs provide quite a bit of structure that's provided. And then there's also flexibility. So EECs, yes, they potentially could be every week. They could meet every other week. Um, because of my schedule and the way that we work those, those circles at that time, we met every three weeks, right? Um, there are some circles that might do like a, a, an intensive weekend um, together and then begin to do the, the weekly or bi-weekly sessions. So there's, there's a lot of a flexibility in how they can work. Um, when we're doing them in person, you had asked like how many people, right? And I was saying, well, it depends, pre-COVID versus where we are right now. And so um, in terms of in-person, you know, you would think about a general group therapy. They're not therapy groups or support groups, but what we understand about therapy is a, an ideal size might be eight, 10, maybe 12 people. Right. Um, and kind of beyond that, it gets a little less, right. it gets more unwieldy. So that's a good size for in-person groups. Um, and again, there's some EECs that have begun to shift towards a virtual platform where, again, there's a lot more flexibility, potentially could accommodate more people, um, but it's, it's different. It's just a different dynamic. Yeah, yeah. I would think it, at, at a certain point, it will become hard for people to get a word in edgewise and, and you know, to keep mm -hmm. the communication flow going. Um, right. So what would make a person sign up for this? What, like, what, how would they say, oh, I need this type of healing to occur? And how is it different from therapy? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I was mentioning that the EECs, the Ubuntu circles, I was beginning to, to just introduce Safe Black Space, that these uh, circles are really specifically for Black people. They are specifically designed to support people who identify as being of African ancestry, and with that, um, at some level, have some understanding of the additional stressors or uh, issues or challenges or trauma um, that they may be experiencing as a result of uh, being Black and living and walking and breathing in the world that we do right now. So it's about folks that have some consciousness and awareness of that. Um, even though, again, at some level, people may not know I feel this way because I'm black. Let me, let me rephrase this. Many people who are black experience what, what I and many refer to as black racial stress and trauma, but we may not label it that way, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. That whole idea of, dang, did that person just, um, you know, call on somebody else or, you know, take that order. And I know I was here first, or did they just cross the streets? I was coming this way or did that, you know, right. There's just in, in internal inherent way that sometimes we can experience racism or uh, oppression, but we 
may not name it in that way. So any, what'd you say? Microaggressions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Microaggressions and macroaggressions, right? Yeah, so any anyway, these these healing circles are designed for people who have some sense of either at a very obvious level or a more internal just knowing like something's, something's not quite right, right, with how I'm being treated or how I'm being experienced in the world. That doesn't have to do with me and my blackness, but other people, right? That externalization, other people see this as a problem. So folks who are called to the circle um, have those kinds of thoughts, ideas, and feelings, and then know they want to do and be and feel different um, and, and ideally be uh, um, a mechanism for change and inspiration for creating um, a difference in their own home, in their community, in their uh, work life, right? That it becomes something that's, again, we talked about earlier, it's not just about me. It's this, this collective kind of experience. So I think I answered your question. Yeah, yeah, you did. Um, it's confidential, is it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you be able to give examples of maybe uh, a way people were impacted that you felt was uh, pretty significant or phenomenal yeah yeah so can i talk about safe black space and then i'll give you that example because that is where i can give the most pertinent example right now and so um safe black space community healing circles really grew and evolved out of the work of the eecs and some of the work of abc and chn um there were abc association of black psychologists and a community healing network Okay. Because when I was doing work with them around implementing the EECs, and I guess it was 2017, you might remember this, when Philando Castile and Alton Sterling were killed like back to back, right? Then Trump was talking about the folks are good on all sides, right? With the the issue um, with the white supremacists. So it was just a really intense time. And so um, as part of a, a group that was working with both CHN and ABCI, a racial trauma and a healing toolkit uh, for families, for black families created to help support folks with knowing what to do, how to talk to each other. Here in Sacramento, when Stefan Clark was killed in 2018, I had the opportunity to pull out that toolkit to gather folks together locally who were yeah, some clinicians, faith leaders, community folks, educators, and just said, let's, let's do a racial healing circle based on some of the outgrowth of, of, of this work. Thus, Safe Black Space was born. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a very kind of tailored, specific healing um, strategy that's grown out of that work that um, includes some of the aspects of what we've already talked about. It's very African-centered, involves different cultural healing components, allows people to come into a circle to understand some of the the underlying principles of kind of racism and racial stress, black racialized stress and how it can show up in our bodies, allowing people the opportunity to then to break into smaller groups. We're doing them online right now. So virtually to to talk about um, issues, we do more tailoring of themes that are relevant at that point to the issue because we're doing them every second Saturday of um, each month. Um, 
and then again, integrate whatever, drumming or libation or movement. So they're very interactive um, and provide healing strategies for our folks. And we have been doing them all that to get to your answer question for a little over two years um, here in Sacramento. And so I've had an opportunity to get a lot of feedback um, across a lot of folks uh, who've been doing this work. And I think you were asking like, what's an example? Mm -hmm. Kind of an outcome, right? Mm -hmm. So we had um, for our volunteers who are participants potentially as well in Safe Black Space, we had an opportunity to do a, a bit of a, a retreat, um, actually just about a week or two ago. So we were doing some reflecting on what are some of the takeaways from themselves um, as facilitators, but what are they hearing and experiencing from um, people who've been part of the circle. And so one of the standouts that we've seen has been just this sense of community um, and people feeling like this is a place where I can be completely me, where I'm not judged, where I am not uh, feeling as though I have to defend who I am um, and where I can get support in knowing what and how to be and live in the world in specific kind of situations. So, you know, there's one person to mind, for example, who said, you know, safe black space saved my life, right? Like I didn't have anywhere to go or anyone to talk to about some of these challenges and just by having a place where I could be seen and heard, you know, it saved my life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, someone else had shared that, um, you know, I didn't know anybody when I came to Sacramento and, you know, it felt like I was just taken in kind of by this community and I was able to network. I got exposed to, it's not our intention necessarily to be like, get somebody a job, right? But they connected with someone who then gave them a resource that then allowed them to, to develop a, a further opportunity professionally for them. Mm -hmm. um, we've had uh, folks who have been part of our circle, and I'll close with this, um, but it's a, it was so beautiful. It touches my heart even to think about it and reflect on it. So as we were meeting and have been meeting more virtually, we have had um, some people that come back, right? Um, and so there was one young woman who had been at one of our circles maybe in May, and um, so came back when we had our next one in June. And then after the George Floyd uh, killing and all of the, the civil unrest that we've been um, experiencing, we were offering them kind of weekly for a while. So anyway, long story short, she came back. Um, and the time that she came back, maybe the third time, she had sitting with her, um, her mother and her grandmother. So it was like three generations of black women sitting together and having conversations about what they've been through and their healing and, and kind of offer that to, you know, this other kind of group of, of, of folks. And so it was beautiful to see that young 20 year old talk about um, how touched she was and that she wanted to bring her mom into the conversation, her grandmother into the conversation. Um, so I'll stop with that. We all have different perspectives to add um, yep. and different levels of healing that needs to occur. And yep observing and modeling that is that's that's wow that's very powerful even as you were talking about it um i was thinking we every all of us need to be <laughs> in this is particularly right? this time um mm -hmm. like, we all need to be you should 
these these yeah. um they should be filled and crowded and should be yeah. all over the place should be taken off absolutely um, absolutely so this trauma that we that we observe and and with with uh, George Floyd being the most recent Breonna Taylor um, mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people actually watch the video of George Floyd um, which I, I wouldn't do that but um, people did so that image is in their mind and it causes a degree of psychological trauma that yeah. needs to be dealt with and I don't know that as a collective we are dealing with that as effectively as we need to okay. and it sounds like the vehicle that you're describing is a way to do that yeah 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 and you're right i mean we're all traumatized by um some of the things that we may have seen or not or chosen not to see right and heard and all the experiences that are going on um i will just kind of uh, briefly that um watching the video and i did uh of george probably have seen it now multiple times it is it's heartbreaking it's heart-wrenching it's it evo evokes so many different emotions. And um, for many folks, it can almost feel like we are, cannot avoid seeing imagery and social media, you know, things just pop up that can be very uh, provocative to our, um, our ability to, to move and heal through this. And um, so yes, we are all being impacted. And yes, we probably all could benefit from, from being in healing circles, safe black space, Ubuntu circles, EECs, just to be able to maintain, again, our, our ability to, to move through the world and to really enhance and thrive, really, with, with who and where we are. And I know I, we have seen a ton of requests um, coming through to, can you do a special circle for us? or um, you know, are these services that you provide? And, and there is definitely a need, definitely for our the community, our, our, the black community. Um, but I'm also very aware that, you know, other folks, and, you know, white folks are trying to figure it out too, um, which I appreciate, right? That we all need um, to be moving and growing and learning and shifting and transforming this world and the system that we are, are in right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how do people, if they were interested in, in joining a circle or finding out about a circle, um, how would they, what do? they do? Yeah. 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 So um, as it refers to safe black space, and again, like I was saying, the circles, each of the ones that I've mentioned are a little different. Um, and so someone could explore all the different options, plus many others that I'm sure I have not mentioned that may be available to them. So for the emotional emancipation circles, like, I was saying earlier, there's some, I would say maybe, uh, I'll say delays, but it, they, they may not be as accessible right now, but the EECs, as well as the Ubuntu circles, information related to those can most readily be accessed through the Community Healing Network website. Okay. So someone can just Google Community Healing Network. Okay. As it, as it might relate to safe black space. So um, safe black space, again, housed at this point more locally in Sacramento, but offering circles virtually every second Saturday at this point. Um, so they're open really to anyone and information about safe black space can be found at our website. So similar, you can Google safe, safe black space or our website is safeblackspace.org. And then, you know, see, 
about, you know, what's there, what's available, um, and what you might be interested in doing. I know that we, in terms of Safe Black Space, in a process of really trying to understand and develop a process so we can maybe train other folks to do similar circles and just expand uh, what we're doing right now. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, it seems like you would be overwhelmed with people yeah. um, wanting to get in. Yep. Then, in which case, what do you do at that point? Because exactly. It's, it's 8 to 12. It's still the number that you're um, shooting. Yeah, well, no. Yeah, well, no. So let's remember, oh, thank you for bringing that up, that we are so we're in a virtual format right now. And so the virtual circles uh, create a different experience. And even, again, for the Safe Black Space circles are a bit different from the EECs because the EECs really are designed to carry potentially the same group of people through seven or eight different meetings, right, with a, a specific topic each week. Safe Black Space Community Healing Circles, particularly as well as we're virtual, are kind of standalone meetings that might have a particular theme that is specific to what's kind of going on in the world. So, for example, we have an upcoming circle this will be aired, I'm sure, after, but the theme of the circles, it's, it's what if, like what if, um, with the understanding, the underlying thing is that, uh, what's the phrase, what, what if, we're the ones that we've been waiting for, right, and so we've got to step up and step in and do this work. We had a circle maybe last month, and the focus was on, what, it, what was it called, Black to Life, Right, so it was a black to life, and we really focused on how do we reconnect with some of our original um, cultural values and embrace that that blackness. So, so the circles in terms of safe black space are a little different in that way, um, and because we're doing vir them virtually, we really can open up to almost you know 100 or more people. Um, wow. So right after the so right after, for example, the George Floyd uh, circle. I think we had over 100 people that registered, um, but because of Zoom, we were limited to 100 people at that point that could participate. But we have multiple multiple volunteers and facilitators that are part of our team, our volunteer village. So we do some introduction and information, some of the things I described to you about, and then uh, we break into breakout groups. So we could accommodate, right, 50, 60, 70 people when we have 15 different facilitators, and then you go into smaller circles. Mm -hmm. So you can have those conversations where it might be five or six, seven, eight, no more than 10 people, right? Yeah. So it's almost like we, we do a big, large kind of convening information gathering circle, break into smaller circles, and then come back to that large circle. So it's, uh, we're able to accommodate more people oh, in cool. that That's way. pretty high tech, I like that. I like yeah. You all have that thought out. Um, mm -hmm. So with the Black to Life one, did you did you play soul to soul? You know we did. <laughs> you know we did. We had to. So yeah, so we integrate different like music and quotes and things again so that it's relevant. Um, we have found that most of our participants tend to be women, like 40-ish. So we're collecting some data and some stats on who's showing up. Um, but we try to, you know, mix it up a little bit, right? If we, there's something that might be a little bit more appealing to our, our youth or our younger generation, we'll throw in right, a little spoken piece that might appeal to them, um, but then throw in reference Luther, 
know that we necessarily throw any Luther Vandross into this, but yeah. you know, folks again that might hit that range of uh, yeah. intergenerational um, action to our African cultural black uh, awareness and understanding. Right. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to that. You'll uh, have to. You'll have to come and check one out sometime. So the next one is when? So um, it's August 8th, but that is, as we are recording, I'm uh, anticipating that will be after, you know, uh, it'll, uh, it'll be before. Not mine? Okay. <laughs> but we offer, like, I, like I said, we offer them every second Saturday. So our next one will be September 12th. Um, and folks can access our website and usually get that information or even Eventbrite. Um, yeah, so that's one way to do it. And then like I, like you were saying, we are getting lots of requests to do other circles. And so we're uh, trying to identify when and where we can um, have enough support and volunteers so that we can do some specialized circles for organizations or universities that have been reaching out um, and need and want to help their um, communities, particularly black communities, um, move through all of what we are doing and dealing with right now. Cool, cool. All right, well, we're pushing up against our time, but I got so many more questions I want to ask. So <laughs> part two of this, um, because okay. more important thing. this is important work. And people need to know about this. Um, I think it's, it's monumental work for helping um, with the mental health of our people during this time. It's, it's, it's yeah. a very, this is a very important time in life. Um, it's a Great. turning point time uh, for us as a community and even for this country. So mm -hmm. uh, there are some things that we need to be doing to make sure mentally and spiritually and physically that we are taking care of ourselves and Absolutely. operating in a way that's going to allow us to move forward in this transformative time in a way that's healthy. So yeah, yeah it's definitely we need to continue this dialogue moving forward. For sure. This is a critical time for us. And um and yeah, I, I appreciate it. And I'd be happy to come back as that might make sense. Um because I, I believe this is critical work, important work. Ooh, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So any last last things you want to leave us with before we wrap it up? No, I, I would say as we sometimes do when we close out our safe flex space. I don't have a song to play, but we get a song going, and I will sometimes close with as we're heading out. I'll say, "Stay black, stay strong, stay proud." Right. Um, just stay focused on our magnificence, our black blackness. Right. Um, and don't get it twisted, don't get confused um, by these lies and, and this misinformation that we are getting about, about who we are, um, to just stay connected to the truth, that that light, that spirit, that energy um, that brought us here is still moving with us through this whole process. And so despite this double pandemic, right, the COVID-19, the racism, um, that we are strong and powerful people and uh, our resilience, our um, our ability to live as the kings and queens that we are is 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 right there within us. And so, um, so stay black and stay strong. <laughs> yeah, that's well said. I may adopt that as my 
Cozy. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. And uh, we thank you all for listening and for the energy and the spirit of continuing to help us move forward with um, helping the psychology and the mental health of our community. And these, uh, these EECs and, and the Black Safe Spaces um, are really going to do some good work, are, are going to continue to do good work. So um, try to join and sign up and, and participate. And hopefully you'll also experience the wonderful, wonderful healing that comes out of these groups. So with that, we will wrap up for the evening. Thank you so much again. And we will be talking with you all soon. Stay strong, stay black, stay proud. <laughs> Peace. In closing, I want to remind you to always be a critical thinker as it relates to your mental health and well-being. We always want to inspire you to consciously question your choices to ensure that you are doing those things that bring you happiness and fulfillment. Please don't forget to subscribe to our channel and share the information with others who might benefit. Connect with us on Twitter at HeartMindHealer and visit our Facebook and Instagram pages at Alashe Center, A-L-A-S-E Center. Our website is Alashe.net, A-L-A-S-E.net. And feel free to contact us for any consultations or questions you might have. Things that I might be missing. Running too fast to stop to listen